Question 47, Part 3 of Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae, Treatise on the Cardinal Virtues, The Virtue of Prudence. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae, Treatise on the Cardinal Virtues, the Virtue of Prudence, by St. Thomas Aquinas, translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 47. Of Prudence, Considered in Itself, in 16 Articles, Part 3. Articles 11 through 16. Eleventh Article. Whether Prudence about one's own good is specifically the same as that which extends to the common good. Objection 1. It seems that prudence about one's own good is the same, specifically, as that which extends to the common good. For the philosopher says in Ethics 6.8 that political prudence and prudence are the same habit, yet their essence is not the same. Objection 2. Further, the philosopher says in Politics 3.2 that Virtue is the same in a good man and in a good ruler. Now political prudence is chiefly in the ruler, in whom it is architectonic, as it were. Since then prudence is a virtue of a good man, it seems that prudence and political prudence are the same habit. Objection 3. Further, a habit is not diversified in species or essence by things which are subordinate to one another. But the particular good, which belongs to prudence simply so called, is subordinate to the common good, which belongs to political prudence. Therefore, prudence and political prudence differ neither specifically nor essentially. On the contrary, political prudence, which is directed to the common good of the state, Domestic economy, which is of such things as relate to the common good of the household or family, and monastic economy, which is concerned with things affecting the good of one person, are all distinct sciences. Therefore, in like manner, there are three kinds of prudence, corresponding to the above differences of matter. I answer that. As stated above in Article 5, as well in Question 54, Article 2, First Reply, the species of habits differ according to the difference of object considered in its formal aspect. Now the formal aspect of all things directed to the end is taken from the end itself as shown above, pars prima secunde prologue, as well as Question 102, Article 1. Wherefore, the species of habits differ by the relation to different ends. Again, the individual good, the good of the family, and the good of the city and kingdom are different ends. Wherefore, there must needs be different species of prudence corresponding to these different ends, so that one is prudence, simply so called, which is directed to one's own good, another domestic prudence, 
which is directed to the common good of the home, and a third, political prudence, which is directed to the common good of the state or kingdom. Reply to Objection 1. The philosopher means not that political prudence is substantially the same habit as any kind of prudence, but that it is the same as the prudence which is directed to the common good. This is called prudence in respect of the common notion of prudence, that is, as being right reason applied to action, while it is called political as being directed to the common good. Reply to Objection 2. As the philosopher declares in Politics 3.2, it belongs to a good man to be able to rule well and to obey well. Wherefore the virtue of a good man includes also that of a good ruler. Yet the virtue of the ruler and of the subject differs specifically, even as the virtue of a man and of a woman, as stated by the same authority. Politics 3.2 Reply to Objection 3. Even different ends, one of which is subordinate to the other, diversify the species of a habit. Thus, for instance, habits directed to riding, soldiering, and civic life differ specifically although their ends are subordinate to one another. In like manner, though the good of the individual is subordinate to the good of the many, that does not prevent this difference from making the habits differ specifically. But it follows that the habit which is directed to the last end is above the other habits and commands them. Twelfth article. Whether prudence is in subjects or only in their rulers. Objection 1. It would seem that prudence is not in subjects but only in their rulers. For the philosopher says in Politics 3.2 that prudence alone is the virtue proper to a ruler, while other virtues are common to subjects and rulers, and the prudence of the subject is not a virtue but a true opinion. Objection 2. Further, it is stated in Politics 1.5 that a slave is not competent to take counsel but prudence makes a man take good counsel. Ethics 6.5 Therefore prudence is not befitting slaves or subjects. Objection 3. Further, prudence exercises command, as stated above in Article 8. But command is not in the competency of slaves or subjects, but only of rulers. Therefore prudence is not in subjects, but only in rulers. On the contrary, the philosopher says in Ethics 6.8 that there are two kinds of political prudence, one of which is legislative and belongs to rulers, while the other retains the common name political and is about individual actions. Now it belongs also to subjects to perform these individual actions. Therefore prudence is not only in rulers, but also in subjects. I answer that, prudence is in the reason. Now ruling and governing 
belong properly to the reason, and therefore it is proper to a man to reason and be prudent in so far as he has a share in ruling and governing. But it is evident that the subject as subject and the slave as slave are not competent to rule and govern, but rather to be ruled and governed. Therefore prudence is not in the virtue of a slave as slave, nor of a subject as subject. Since, however, every man, for as much as he is rational, has a share in ruling according to the judgment of reason, he is proportionately competent to have prudence. Wherefore, it is manifest that prudence is in the ruler after the manner of a mastercraft, Ethics 6.8, but in the subjects, after the manner of a handicraft. Reply to Objection 1. The saying of the philosopher is to be understood strictly, namely, that prudence is not the virtue of a subject as such. Reply to Objection 2. A slave is not capable of taking counsel insofar as he is a slave, for thus he is the instrument of his master, but he does take counsel insofar as he is a rational animal. Reply to Objection 3. By prudence, a man commands not only others, but also himself, insofar as the reason is said to command the lower powers. Thirteenth Article whether prudence can be in sinners. Objection 1. It would seem that there can be prudence in sinners. For our Lord said in Luke 16.8, The children of this world are more prudent in their generation than the children of light. Note, the Dewey translation translates prudent as wiser. Now the children of this world are sinners. Therefore, there be prudence in sinners. Objection 2. Further, faith is a more excellent virtue than prudence. But there can be faith in sinners. Therefore, there can be prudence also. Objection 3. Further, according to Ethics 6-7, we say that to be of good counsel is the work of prudent men especially. Now many sinners can take good counsel, therefore sinners can have prudence. On the contrary, the philosopher declares in Ethics 6.12 that it is impossible for a man to be prudent unless he be good. Now no sinner is a good man, therefore no sinner is prudent. I answer that prudence is threefold. There is a false prudence, which takes its name from its likeness to true prudence. For since a prudent man is one who disposes well of the things that have to be done for a good end, whoever disposes well of such things as are fitting for an evil end has false prudence, insofar as that which he takes for an end is good, not in truth, but in appearance. Thus man is called a good robber, and in this way we may speak of a prudent robber by way of similarity, because he devises fitting ways of committing robbery, 
This is the prudence of which the Apostle says in Romans 8.6. The prudence of the flesh is death. Note, the Dewey translation translates prudence as wisdom. Because to wit, it places its ultimate end in the pleasures of the flesh. The second prudence is indeed true prudence, because it devises fitting ways of obtaining a good end, and yet it is imperfect from a twofold source. First, because the good which it takes for an end is not the common end of all human life, but of some particular affair. Thus, when a man devises fitting ways of conducting business or of sailing a ship, he is called a prudent businessman or a prudent sailor. Secondly, because he fails in the chief act of prudence, as when a man takes counsel aright and forms a good judgment, even about things concerning life as a whole, but fails to make an effective command. The third prudence is both true and perfect, for it takes counsel, judges, and commands aright in respect of the good end of man's whole life, and this alone is prudence simply so called, and cannot be in sinners, whereas the first prudence is in sinners alone, while imperfect prudence is common to good and wicked men, especially that which is imperfect through being directed to a particular end, since that which is imperfect on account of a failing in the chief act is only in the wicked. Reply to Objection 1 This saying of our Lord is to be understood of the first prudence, wherefore it is not said that they are prudent absolutely, but that they are prudent in their generation. Reply to Objection 2 The nature of faith consists not in conformity with the appetite for certain right actions, but in knowledge alone. On the other hand, prudence implies a relation to a right appetite. First, because its principles are the ends in matters of action, and of such ends one forms a right estimate through the habits of moral virtue, which rectify the appetite. Wherefore, Without the moral virtues, there is no prudence, as shown above. Pars Prima Secunde, Question 58, Article 5. Secondly, because prudence commands right actions, which does not happen unless the appetite be right. Wherefore, through faith on account of its object, is more excellent than prudence, yet prudence, by its very nature, is more opposed to sin, which arises from a disorder of the appetite. Reply to Objection 3 Sinners can take good counsel for an evil end or for some particular good, but they do not perfectly take good counsel for the end of their whole life, since they do not carry that counsel into effect. Hence they lack prudence, which is directed to the good only, and yet in them, according to the philosopher, Ethics 6.12, there is cleverness, de inotike, that is, natural diligence, which may be directed to both good and evil, or cunning, panurgia, which is directed only to evil, 
and which we have stated above to be false prudence or prudence of the flesh. 14th Article Whether Prudence is in All Who Have Grace Objection 1. It would seem that prudence is not in all who have grace. Prudence requires diligence, that one may foresee aright what has to be done. But many who have grace have not this diligence. Therefore, not all who have grace have prudence. Objection 2. Further, a prudent man is one who takes good counsel as stated above, in Article 8, Objection 2, and in Article 13, Objection 3. Yet many have grace who do not take good counsel and need to be guided by the counsel of others. Therefore, not all who have grace have prudence. Objection 3. Further, the philosopher states in the Topics 3.2 that young people are not obviously prudent. Yet many young people have grace. Therefore, prudence is not to be found in all who have grace. On the contrary, no man has grace unless he be virtuous. Now no man can be virtuous without prudence. For Gregory says on the Morals of Job 2.46 that the other virtues cannot be virtues at all unless they affect prudently what they desire to accomplish. Therefore, all who have grace have prudence. I answer that. The virtues must needs be connected together, so that whoever has one has all, as stated above, Pars Prima Secundae, Question 65, Article 1. Now, whoever has grace has charity, so that he must needs have all the other virtues, and hence, since prudence is a virtue, as shown above, in Article 4, he must, of necessity, have prudence also. Reply to Objection 1. Diligence is twofold. One is merely sufficient with regard to things necessary for salvation, and such diligence is given to all who have grace, whom his unction teacheth of all things. 1 John 2.27 There is also another diligence which is more than sufficient, whereby a man is able to make provision both for himself and for others, not only in matters necessary for salvation, but also in all things relating to human life. And such diligence as this is not in all who have grace. Reply to Objection 2. Those who require to be guided by the counsel of others are able, if they have grace, to take counsel for themselves in this point at least, that they require the counsel of others and can discern good from evil counsel. Reply to Objection 3. Acquired prudence is caused by the exercise of acts, wherefore its acquisition demands experience and time. Ethics 2.1 Hence it cannot be in the young, neither in habit nor in act. On the other hand, gratuitous prudence is caused by divine infusion. Wherefore, 
in children who have been baptized but have not come to the use of reason there is prudence as to habit but not as to act even as in idiots whereas in those who have come to the use of reason it is also as to act with regard to things necessary for salvation this by practice merits increase until it becomes perfect even as the other virtues hence the apostle says in hebrews 5:14 that strong meat is for the perfect for them who by custom have their senses exercised to the discerning of good and evil fifteenth article whether prudence is in us by nature objection one it would seem that prudence is in us by nature the philosopher says that things connected with prudence seem to be natural namely synesis gnome note synesis and gnome confer pars prima secunde question fifty seven article six and the like but not those which are connected with speculative wisdom now things belonging to the same genus have the same kind of origin therefore prudence also is in us from nature objection to further the changes of age are according to nature now prudence results from age according to job twelve twelve in the ancient is wisdom and in length of days prudence therefore prudence is natural objection three further prudence is more consistent with human nature than with that of dumb animals now there are instances of a certain natural prudence in dumb animals according to the philosopher on his histories of animals eight one therefore prudence is natural on the contrary the philosopher says in ethics two one that intellectual virtue is both originated and fostered by teaching it therefore demands experience and time now prudence is an intellectual virtue as stated above in article four therefore prudence is in us not by nature but by teaching and experience i answer that as shown above in article three prudence includes knowledge both of universals and of the singular matters of action to which prudence applies the universal principles. Accordingly, as regards the knowledge of universals, the same is to be said of prudence as of speculative science, because the primary universal principles of either are known naturally as shown above in Article 6. Except that the common principles of prudence are more connatural to man for as the philosopher remarks in ethics ten seven the life which is according to the speculative reason is better than that which is according to man whereas the secondary universal principles whether of the speculative or of the practical reason are not inherited from nature but are acquired by discovery through experience or through teaching on the other hand as regards the knowledge of particulars which are the matter of action we must make a further distinction 
because this matter of action is either an end or the means to an end. Now the right ends of human life are fixed. Wherefore, there can be a natural inclination in respect of these ends. Thus, it has been stated above, in Pars Prima Secundae, question 51, article 1, and question 63, article 1, that some, from a natural inclination, have certain virtues whereby they are inclined to right ends, and consequently they also have naturally a right judgment about such like ends. But the means to the end, in human concerns, far from being fixed, are of manifold variety according to the variety of persons and affairs. Wherefore, since the inclination of nature is ever to something fixed, the knowledge of those means cannot be in man naturally, although, by reason of his natural disposition, one man has a greater aptitude than another in discerning them, just as it happens with regard to the conclusions of speculative sciences. Since then, prudence is not about the ends, but about the means, as stated above, Article 6, and also Pars Prima Secundae, Question 57, Article 5, it follows that prudence is not from nature. Reply to Objection 1. The philosopher is speaking there of things relating to prudence, insofar as they are directed to ends. Wherefore, he had said before, in Ethics 6, 5, 11, that they are the principles of the Uhenica, note, literally, for the sake of which are the means, namely the end. And so he does not mention oibulia among them, because it takes counsel about the means. Reply to Objection 2. Prudence is rather in the old, not only because their natural disposition calms the movement of the sensitive passions, but also because of their long experience. Reply to Objection 3. Even in dumb animals there are fixed ways of obtaining an end. Wherefore, we observe that all the animals of a same species act in like manner. But this is impossible in man, on account of his reason, which takes cognizance of universals, and consequently extends to an infinity of singulars. 16th Article Whether Prudence Can Be Lost Through Forgetfulness Objection 1. It would seem that prudence can be lost through forgetfulness. For since science is about necessary things, it is more certain than prudence, which is about contingent matters of action. But science is lost by forgetfulness. Much more, therefore, is prudence. Objection 2. Further, as the philosopher says in Ethics 2.3, the same things, but by a contrary process, engender and corrupt virtue. Now, the engendering of prudence requires experience, which is made up of many memories, as he states at the beginning of his Metaphysics, one one. Therefore, since forgetfulness is contrary to memory, 
it seems that prudence can be lost through forgetfulness. Objection 3. Further, there is no prudence without knowledge of universals. But knowledge of universals can be lost through forgetfulness. Therefore, prudence can also. On the contrary, the philosopher says in Ethics 6.5 that forgetfulness is possible to art, but not to prudence. I answer that, forgetfulness regards knowledge only. Wherefore, one can forget art and science, so as to lose them altogether, because they belong to the reason. But prudence consists not in knowledge alone, but also in an act of the appetite, because, as stated above in Article 8, its principal act is one of command, whereby a man applies the knowledge he has to the purpose of appetition and operation. Hence prudence is not taken away directly by forgetfulness, but rather is corrupted by the passions. For the philosopher says in Ethics 6.5 that pleasure and sorrow pervert the estimate of prudence. Wherefore it is written in Daniel 13.56, Beauty hath deceived thee, and lust hath subverted thy heart. And in Exodus 23.8, Neither shalt thou take bribes which blind even the prudent. Note. The Dewey translation has prudent stated as wise. Nevertheless, forgetfulness may hinder prudence, insofar as the latter's command depends on knowledge which may be forgotten. Reply to Objection 1. Science is in the reason only, hence the comparison fails as stated above. Confer pars prima secundae. Question 53, Article 1. Reply to Objection 2. The experience required by prudence results not from memory alone, but also from the practice of commanding aright. Reply to Objection 3. Prudence consists chiefly not in the knowledge of universals, but in applying them to action as stated above in Article 3. Wherefore, forgetting the knowledge of universals does not destroy the principal part of prudence, but hinders it somewhat, as stated above. End of Question 47, Part 3 Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.